Sonic 1029 presents Top Ranking Podcast with Garner Andrews and Bryce Kelly. Cue the intro music. Temporary podcast theme song. This is temporary. It's not for long. Temporary podcast theme song. This is temporary. It's not for long. Top Ranking Podcast, episode number, I believe it's 24, Bryce Kelly. 24, unbelievable, Woo. defying the critics. <laughs> were there critics? Ooh. I think there were. No. There still are, actually. There still are critics. There's always critics. There's critics of everything, man. Yeah. Uh, welcome to this edition of Top Ranking Podcast. Today on the show, we're going to discuss music in movies. Mm. Going to get to that in just a few minutes here. Got a lot of feelings about a lot of things when it comes to music and movies. Yeah. But first... You're listening to Top Ranking Podcast. Available however you found it. You're listening to it right now, so just do that again. I think first of all, Bryce, I would like to spend some time on the show talking about overrated jobs. Or jobs that you see people, they have them in movies, and you're like, oh, that'd be so awesome. I'm going to drop everything, and I'm going to become a... Fill in the blanks. Right. Yeah, you see it all the time. They make it look a lot more cushy than it probably is in real life. Actually, we have somebody sitting on the phone right now. This particular career came up a couple of times from a couple of different people the other day. Hello? Hello? I thought for sure that when you answered the phone, I would hear, like, the Indiana Jones music. <laughs> no, not quite. Is it at least your ringtone? No, it's not. Oh. It's not. Okay. So we're talking about uh, Trish, right? Yep. Trish, we're talking about jobs that aren't all they're cracked up to be. Like we, we see movies and we see TV shows and we're like, I'm totally going to become a private eye or I'm totally be, going to become an archaeologist. But you said that there's not even any whips or anything? No, the coolest part of the job is telling people that you're an archaeologist and they're always so amazed. But then the job's actually pretty standard and boring. <laughs> It's like, even no. when you do get to dig a hole, you don't even get to dig with a shovel. It's like you dig with a, a paintbrush. No, you dig with a shovel. Here. Do you? You do, yeah, especially in clay and stuff. It's pretty hard. So I just see archaeologists sitting in holes with a paintbrush, like dusting. Yeah, occasionally when you're, yeah, before picture time and stuff like that. So Okay. How long did it take you to become an archaeologist? Just four years. Four, well, that's a commitment. It is, yeah. Has the payoff been there financially? No. It doesn't no. pay well either? It doesn't pay well either, no. Oh. No. No, you have to love your job, I guess. So. Yeah, but More do you that. love your, you, you love the job? Yeah, it's pretty fun. Like, you have lots of cool people to work with. And, I mean, it's not as exciting as in the movies, but. It's you wear the vest job. with all the pockets in it so people know you're <laughs> an archaeologist? Okay, yeah, occasionally. Well, not, it's more of a safety orange, though, instead of the cool, you know. Oh. Yeah. Because it's like we all know the guy that got into photography and the first thing he did was bop the vest with all the pockets on it. Yeah. And I sort of thought that the same thing happened with archaeologists. You immediately go get that vest. Yeah, some people. Some people buy the hat, honestly. Oh, like that. Kind of, the fedora or whatever it is. They, oh, really? They'll uh, go buy the hat as a joke and wear that working. But, oh, uh, but at least but, they're doing it as a joke. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Trish, when young children come up to you, bright-eyed young children, and they're like, I'd like to become an archaeologist, what do you do? What do you say? You tell them, sure, because it's like playing in the sandbox all day, basically. Have you ever found anything really cool? 
Yeah, there's been some cool fights and stuff. Uh, lots of lots of bones, bison bones, and that kind of thing, and arrowheads. And Do you think uh, that's that's all it is around here? So. Yeah. Did T. Rex ever wander around here? <laughs> they did, but that's paleontology. That's the other running joke. Oh, Archaeologists geez. don't dig dinosaurs. Archaeologists, what are you guys looking for? Just people. Just since people have been here. Wow, this is embarrassing for me. <laughs> yeah, nobody knows. Uh, and to sort of echo what Trish said, I don't know who this person is, but I got this text as well. Overrated career? I'm an archaeologist. I spend one week digging a three-by-three hole, then spend the next eight months in a lab writing everything down in great detail. And not a cool lab. It's a very sad, dimly lit room in the basement of an old building at the university. My sister is a chemist. No cool lab either. Just lots of writing. In conclusion, anything in academia isn't as great as TV makes it out to be. So much student debt. Wow. That makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I guess you're just digging. And I totally had it confused about the, uh, I thought archaeologists dug up dinosaur bones. Oh, my God, that was embarrassing. That's not uh, the right thing, is it? No, that's a paleontologist, Bryce. And even that's probably a lot more overrated. I mean, when you find a bone, it's probably a cool feeling. But you're probably hitting, what's your batting average on hitting a yeah. bone? How often are you dr- digging up T-Rex's jawbone? Yeah. Not very often. No, no, that's a low number. Uh, another one, too. And this sort of makes sense because we got a lot of people who said ski instructor. Horrible job. Terrible job. It's a lot of babysitting on a hill, and people are really, really cold. Yeah, and probably a little grouchy. This is sort of similar. Talking about jobs that aren't as good in real life, I'm a golf course superintendent. Mm. When I tell people that, all they think of is Caddyshack. It's not like that at all. I barely get to play golf. The wages are lower than average with long hours in inclement weather. Don't get me wrong. I still enjoy it, but you got to be a special kind of crazy. I worked at a golf course in high school. Was it good? No, it wasn't. Oh, but yeah. I was one of the guys who mowed the grass and like raked the sand traps and stuff. And you do that while people are golfing. So you have to wear special hard hats. Mm. And if you think people are going to be like, I'll wait for this maintenance guy to get out of the way before I hit the ball, uh, they don't. No, it's like at a driving range. The minute the little scooper vehicle comes out and is combing the driving, that's when people really up their game. Yeah, you can see everyone change whatever club they had, and they pull out the pitching wedge or whatever. Oh, yeah. And they just start targeting that thing. So golf course, anyone who works at a golf course, apparently that's overrated. Yeah, a little bit. I would imagine being a beer girl at a golf course is probably also not a lot of fun. Hey, what do you think? Is is being a camp counselor all running kids' underpants up the flagpole? Oh, firm no. No? No, the movie's got it all wrong there. And at the end of the summer, does the counselor end up actually learning a life lesson from the camper? Oh, yeah, that one definitely happens, though. What happened? Did these kids get sent home because they were amorous? Uh, no, I, they just got talked to, and then they got sent back to bed. Hmm. Are you going back to camp this summer? Unfortunately not. I brought a brand new car, so i got to be responsible now. Well, you don't get paid for being a camp counselor? Uh, you do, you just don't get paid nearly as well. And unfortunately, car payments and uh, insurance kind of cost a lot. I feel like camp counselor is one of those jobs that looks way more awesome in movies than it probably actually is. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you're basically working 23 hours straight and then, yeah, mm. five to six days a week. Hmm. You're exhausted by the end of the summer. The movies make it look awesome. The one that you and I agreed on, We well, I mean, it looks pretty cool on TV. 
homicide detective. Man, they're just always walking around. They got cool trench coats, oh. sipping cups of coffee, solving mysteries. Yeah. The only the downside, I think, would be that it's 2 o'clock in the morning. All of a sudden, there's a break in the case, and you got to get out of bed. Like, if you and I got called into work at 2 o'clock in the morning, you'd probably go in sweatpants and one flip-flop. No, when you're a homicide detective, you got to put on the gear. you got to be wearing the full suit. Yeah, you always have to have the ringer on just in case. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem that fun. Plus, you know, you're probably breathing in a lot of weird smells. A lot of the smell of murder. Yeah, the smell of murder, which I can tell you firsthand, not a great smell. What about private eye? I get the feeling a lot of people back in the 80s when, um, what was the show? The guy with the mustache. Magnum P.I. Oh, Tom Selleck. Yeah. yeah, when Tom Selleck was a thing, I'll bet you a lot of people said, ha, screw that. I'm not being a doctor anymore. I'm going to be a private eye. Yeah, seduce lonely housewives. I wonder how well that worked out for people that cashed it all in and went private eye. From what I've seen in movies, your only qualification to be a private eye is that everything has to have gone wrong in your life. You have mm. to have an estranged child. You've gone looking for life's answers in the bottom of a bottle. And you're not finding them. Quite often, you're living in a dilapidated boat down at the marina in dry dock. And you spend most of your days following people, seeing if they're cheating on their spouses. Hmm. Pretty good gig, if you ask me. You're listening to Top Ranking Podcast. It's on the internet. Where, if you can dream it, there's definitely a porno about it. Garner, I read a story the other day about a woman here in Canada that suffered maybe the worst-sounding flight I've ever heard in my life. Uh. Yeah. It's disgusting. If you didn't hear this, she was flying from Toronto to Calgary, I believe, which is, you know, a pretty typical three and a half, four hour flight. However, she was stung by a scorpion on the flight. Just as it was landing, she felt something rustling in her back. She thought oh. it was just the the air blowing from over top of her. Uh, then just as the plane was coming down, boop, she got stung right in the back. She says, what the? Looks down, sees a scorpion. Reacts like any normal human being would and has a panic attack. Did she run and try and open the door and get out of the plane? I think it said she stood up and was like, she got up and was standing or kneeling or sitting on the armrest between the seats, freaking out. But the plane was landing. Like all the, I think everyone was sitting at that point. Oh, yeah. And they're telling, you need to sit down and she's bugging out. The flight attendants are in that weird jump seat where they have to sit and make eye contact with everybody on the plane. Yeah. And put on that fake smile. Even when there's extreme turbulence, they're like, this ain't nothing. <laughs> Don't panic, people. This is normal. This is totally normal when somebody gets bit by a scorpion when we're landing. That is disgusting. The only way that could be worse is if a snake fell out of the overhead. I don't know what I would do in that case. I think the scorpion would get me more. Really? I would bug out. Oh, I could deal with the scorpion, not the snake, though. She ended up being fine. Uh, the only thing she was treated for really was the panic attack that she understandably had. And uh, the worst part is they have no clue where the scorpion came from. Ugh. No one owned up to it. They have no idea where it came from or <laughs> how it got there. Of course, nobody's going to own up to it. They were sneaking a scorpion back to... <laughs> Wherever they were going to. From Toronto to Calgary. And that's the weirdest part. And it just makes you think of bad flights you've been on. Also, we've talked about this before, haven't we? Like, how many times have you been on a flight and then you think to yourself, I wonder if there's a dead guy on this flight? Like in the cargo underneath? I think about it regularly. <laughs> so do I. I mean, from time to time, there has to be a dead guy. I'm sure it's not a regular occurrence. Well, that's how they move them around. But they got to move them somehow. It's not by horse and buggy anymore. What happens if a guy dies on your flight? Like, do <sighs> they... What do they do? Like the guy beside you has a heart attack? Yes. 
Yeah, because you can't exactly just pull over and toss him out. Just, just put a paper bag on his head? What do they do? Like Put one of those undersized blankets over his face? Yeah, that's like putting a washcloth on somebody. I, there must be something. There must be a protocol. There must be something they do with the dead guy. But like you said, it's not like there's a little door you can throw him out of. That'd be horrifying if you were on a playground below. But if you're in the middle of a flight and the plane is full, it's not like you can move seats either. So all of a sudden you're spending... An hour or two sitting next to a dead guy. Well, maybe it's one of those upgrades or one of those uh, things. You know how uh, when you're sitting in the lounge waiting for your flight, they're like, "Uh, your attention, please. If there's anybody who'd be willing to give up their seat, this is a sold-out flight. We'd be willing to comp you or bonus you, whatever. Maybe you get a serious bonus for putting up your hand and saying, I'll sit next to the dead guy. Maybe you get unlimited miles. And the bonus... You don't have to fight over the armrest. No. No, you sure don't. You can comfortably take that one. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's what We were both on that same flight coming back from the Dominican Republic. I think that's where it was, yeah. The S flight? Oh, my God. He was sitting beside me. I, was, I think it was a row of three seats. Mm-hmm. And this guy started talking. And it was already like we were leaving the Dominican, so no one's in a great mood because we're flying back to midwinter in Canada. Yeah. And the guy's talking, and I'm sitting there being like, my God. Just shut up. This guy's breath is terrible. This this guy's breath smells like toilet. Like, he smelled awful. Uh, I found out later on that he had, how do I say this? Soiled himself. Oh. He'd gotten wasted. Soiled himself on the plane, and we were stuck beside it. Eventually, I don't know what happened. He got up to go to the bathroom, and things happened. Next thing I know... A uh, flight attendant, <laughs> they were going up and down, just kind of spraying stuff. Oh. <laughs> oh. Did you, did they replace him with somebody else in your seat? I think they just moved him somewhere else. But you didn't get a, a new traveler beside you? I don't think so. Like, they have to sit on a bunch of newspaper. Oh, Gross. That was so disgusting. How I thought drunk it was a- do you have to be to that you oh. crap your pants before takeoff when you're leaving the D- Dominican Republic? That is champion level disgusting. Oh. And I just, I thought it was his breath. Because I never assumed that a grown man soiled himself on a flight. Well, Bryce, I can tell you this, is that um, that was in coach, right? Yes, it was. I was uh, sitting in first class on that flight. And somebody up there also made a dookie in their pants. What was going on there? I don't know what happened on that flight, but it was pretty disgusting. You could just smell it everywhere. And the worst part is, yeah, you're going from like plus 30 to minus 30. It's not a short flight either. That was like a six-hour flight. Maybe they make poopy pants sit next to the dead guy. Oh, what, oh. A, what a combination of smells that would be. I was flying once from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada, Goose Hunter's Paradise, back to, I was living in Victoria, B.C. on Vancouver Island at the time. And for some reason, I flew all the way from Saskatoon. We had to go Saskatoon, Calgary, Calgary, Vancouver, Vancouver, Victoria. And I was on a Dash 8. The whole way over the Rocky, the Canadian Rocky Mountains in a propeller plane. (laughs) It was horrible and it was so turbulent, blinding snowstorm. I couldn't see anything outside my window. The two women sitting across the aisle from me who were not together, they were both, they were hysterical, both sobbing, crying and screaming because of the (laughs) The the turbulence. And a young Garney Andrews, I don't know what I would have been at the time, 24, 25 years old, not really very well emotionally equipped, didn't, not a lot of empathy and compassion. The flight attendant, she came to me and she said, hey, 
Do you mind if I move one of these women and sit her next to you? Maybe she'll calm down a bit. And I'm like, okay. So they did. They moved this woman. She sat right next to me. She's still crying hysterically. I didn't even take my headphones off. That's brutal. I still don't think I would. No. Well, I didn't. Like I said, I was young, and it's not like I'm going to sit there and go, it's okay, ma'am. It's okay. Tell me about your, do you have any dogs? Do you have any children? I wasn't going to start trying to distract her. I wasn't equipped for that. That was the flight attendant's job. Besides, I just bought a Sony Discman, and I had the new Beastie Boys CD. Yeah. Anti-skip. Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah, that's probably high on the list of things you don't want to see on your flight is people wailing in their seats. Oh, man, these two women were, they were just losing their minds. And it I will agree, it was an awful flight, and it made me really, it made me a terrible flyer for years after that. I remember once we were on a flight leaving Toronto, heading back home, and Dion Phaneuf. Oh, the hockey player. The NHL player was on our flight. <laughs> yeah. And at first I was like, cool. Yeah. And then I realized, like, no, I don't want to be on a flight with a famous person because if this thing hits the dirt... All they're going to talk about is Dion Phaneuf perishes in plane crash. Like, I'll be such a footnote in that plane crash. Yeah. Ugh, what Way a to bu- make it all about you, Bryce. What a bummer. You're listening to Top Ranking Podcast. It's on the internet, where no one ever responds to my urgent MySpace messages. This is something I saw online a couple of weeks ago. The unwritten rules of society that we all must follow. Ooh, I like this. There is no book that these rules appear, and you're just sort of expected to know these things. Right. And I agree with 100% of them. As a functioning, breathing human being on this planet, these are the rules you should abide by. Yeah, the number one thing that I think of is uh, never, you think it's a good idea, never peek through the crack in the bathroom stall. (laughs) Never. Because that is going to be the most uncomfortable eye contact you will ever make in your life. And the thing about it, too, is it's one eye eye contact. It's not even two eye. It's a one eye eye contact. It's the worst kind. It's intense. It's intimate. Mm -hmm. It is unwelcome by both parties involved. You are the person on the outside of the stall with all the power in the world making eye contact with somebody who I would say might be in one of the most vulnerable positions a person can possibly be in. Yeah. They're upset already that you're in the room Mm -hmm. and now you're making eye contact. That's weird. Look for the shoes, people. (laughs) You can always look for the shoes. Don't... Fight the temptation to peer through the crack in the bathroom stall. That's a good one to live by. I've always lived by the uh, return the shopping cart to the corral. Yeah, that's pretty easy. Yeah, but people never do it. No, you know what people say? Uh, I have children. I can't do that. Well, you know what you can do is you can push your child in the shopping cart to the cart corral, and then you can take your child back to the car. The child doesn't have to stay at the car alone. Just reverse the process. Yeah. And or your kid maybe will be fine in the 10 seconds it takes to push your cart to the corral. What kind of monster are you, Bryce? Yeah. What kind of monster? <laughs> how dare you? But how, that is so, it's the, it's one thing when you're in a crowded mall parking lot and you're looking for a place to park and you go, oh my God, there's one up ahead. And only to get there and you realize there's a smart car or something there, like a small car. Same thing at the grocery store where you're like, oh, finally I found a place to park. And somebody's dumped the shopping cart in there. Oh, oh, special place in hell for those people. Put them away. Makes me steaming mad. Here's another one. How about you walk on the same side of the sidewalk as you would drive on the road? Ooh, on the right side. Yes. Yeah. Or the left side, depending on where people are listening, Bryce. Yeah. No, that's a good rule. Same thing goes with escalators. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to stand on the escalator, that's fine, but stand to the right. So people who are moving knees to chest, they got somewhere to be. 
they can pump lead behind you. Where are these people coming from, too, that don't understand that the moving sidewalk is not just something you stand on? You get on the moving sidewalk and you walk and you triple your walking speed. If you just get on the moving sidewalk and stand, I would argue that you could get to the destination quicker by walking. You could. So walk on the moving sidewalk and don't walk side by side. There's a fast lane, there's a slow lane. I'm in the fast lane, move over. Yeah, I don't get the people like you're just coming off a long flight, like, oh, my legs, this was a long flight. Oh, moving sidewalk. I'm just going to stand here for the next 30 seconds. Yeah, I'm not going to try and get any blood flowing. (laughs) Uh, Still kind of on the same topic is the off before on, is that you let people get off the elevator before you attempt to get on the elevator. Yes. Off before on. Always. This one, too, you could probably talk about this and be just fine, but because of my advanced years, I can't talk about this because it makes me an old man is the don't play your music on speakers when you're in a public place. Oh, my God. I can't believe. I've seen people out for jogs. Yes. Who play music out of the speaker. People in the gym do that from time to time who are playing music out of the speaker in their phone as opposed to headphones. Yeah. And it boggles my mind. Like, did you lose? Like At the gym, if you forget your headphones, that's a bad day. Yeah. But option B is not to suddenly play the music out of your phone. It's to work out in silence. Yeah, I, I don't get headphones are forty cents, right? They're nothing. Yeah, they you hand can them put, out with Happy Meals. Now. Exactly. Just put an extra set in your gym bag. But the whole thing where, and even if you're you're at a resort or something like that, and you got the one group of people and they're blasting their jams out of some sort of Bluetooth speaker by the pool, you're not allowed to go tell them to turn it off because a fight will erupt. Yeah. You could even go, you could be, uh, excuse me, uh, would, you, would it be okay if you turn your music down a little bit? It would, it, there would be someone there that would want to fight you. Easily. For that. Easily. Yeah. The other place where it's become popular for people to play their music through their speakers is golf courses. When did that start? I thought golf was a quiet endeavor. It is. It's supposed to be. But now people like to play music from the golf cart as they play their 18 holes, man. Yeah. Ugh, drives me crazy. The people, the louder people turn the music up, the worse the music. Have you noticed that? <laughs> yes. I Nobody have. ever cranks a good song. No. It's always something that sounds like, I don't get it. Yeah. It's some EDM house music garbage. Yeah. And there's a time and there's a place for that music. I just don't want to hear it on the golf course or by the pool. Yeah. Not while I'm working on my short game. That's right. See, and that's why I can't talk about this because it makes me an old man. You're listening to Top Ranking Podcast. It's on the internet where your Uncle Barry posts weird things on Facebook. Oh, here's something we learned We learned this week. When you go through the drive-thru, Bryce, even though you can't hear them, they can hear you. Yeah, apparently when you're going through a drive-thru, they're not just listening when you place your order. They're listening the entire time from the second you pull up to the second you pull away from that speaker. I just, after we talked about this, I just got, I started to cringe because I think I've said some horrible things in the drive-thru when I'm just, because it's like, the one thing I can't stand is when you're being up, you're like, I'll have a large coffee with one cream, one sugar. Yeah. Would you like a hash brown? No, I just want a coffee. It's 3.30 in the morning. Coffee and a hash brown, that doesn't go together. Just get, and I will be, after I'm done placing my order, I will be ranting like that in my car <laughs> with the window down. <laughs> no, I don't want a hash brown. Like I'll be, I'll be doing that. And 
Now it turns out they can still hear you. Wow. Woo. Yeah, you definitely got a cream of sugar and a wad of spit in your coffee. Oh, my God. I guarantee you I've gotten a spit coffee before. Big time. I've always assumed that they can hear me at all times. So I've always been pretty good. I wait until that window is rolled up or I've moved forward in the line before I start my lunatic ranting to myself. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to start exercising that too. <laughs> but there are times when I'm driving to work and it's like 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning and you haven't spoken to anyone yet that day. So the first sentence out of your mouth is going to be, could I please have a large coffee with one cream and one sugar? But... When you first get out of bed in the morning, your voice is all... You know. So I sometimes will be doing vocal warm-ups. I'll be like, could I please have a large coffee with one cream and like over-enunciating it? They've probably heard that whole spiel. Yeah, because you keep going to the same place, do They probably have a file on you. Oh, they do. This one, too, we heard from somebody who works at Starbucks, and they said, at Starbucks, not only can we hear you, but we have a camera and we can see you picking your nose. Oh, Ooh. wow. That's unfortunate. Yeah. I didn't know about the cameras. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would change anything because let's let's be honest. When I go out in public, it's flawless. Oh, is it, Bryce? <laughs> <laughs> You're not knuckle deep? No, I'm not up to my elbows and my nostrils. Top-ranking podcast with Garner Andrews and Bryce Kelly. Of course it's top-ranked. I mean, why else would we call it that? Top-ranking podcast with Garner and Bryce. Well, that new Quentin Tarantino movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Right. We were both watching that trailer the other day. I There is no movie I am more excited about than this summer than the new Tarantino. I like it. Quentin Tarantino doing a movie about the Charles Manson years. Oh, Brad Pitt, Leo DiCaprio. I mean, it's hunk city on there. Sure is. Dream boats, Bryce. A couple of dream boats. Dream boats. But the one thing Quentin Tarantino, well, he does a lot of things right when it comes to movies. He might be my favorite director of all time. He's pretty good. His music, the music that he picks, that he puts in his movies, it becomes synonymous with that movie after the fact. Like you think about um, Dick Dale, who just died recently, 82 years old. He was left-handed. It was weird to play a guy, see a guy play guitar that fast left-handed. But you know the song Miser Lou. <laughs> that one right there. That was, every time I hear that now, all I think about is Quentin Tarantino. Right, in Pulp Fiction. That song predated that movie by... I'm guessing 25 years. But it wasn't until that movie came out that people really took notice of it. So that one, that might be one of my favorite uses of a song in a movie ever. So we started discussing that the other day. What is the greatest use of a song in a movie ever? And it turns out a lot of people have a lot of different opinions on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, myself, I was worried about mine. Well, I don't know. I mean, because mine... I thought the judgment was going to come down hard on me. No, people agreed. A few people did. So it's from Mission Impossible 2, the, the second one, which came out in the year 2000. And you may or may not remember that they got a band to do the theme song to that Mission Impossible. A band that has truly stood the test of time, Bryce? A band that goes by Limp Biscuit. This little ditty they put out for it. I know why you want to hate me. I know why you want to hate me. Oh, yeah. Wait for it. Like, I like this song a lot. Why? 
Listen to this part. Oh, yes. I just want to break chairs. Yeah. This is fighting music. This is the music you listen to while you're doing a heist. I think Limp Biscuit is probably, I don't know, is Nickelback the new Limp Biscuit? Oh, definitely. Yes. Yeah. Where Nickelback replaced Limp Biscuit as the musical punching bag. Yeah. But listen up. Oh, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. See, this song has a little something that's missing in a lot of music these days, too. Dynamics, Bryce. It gets loud. It gets quiet. It gets a little slow. It gets a little dark. Then it comes back, and it just punches you right in the face. It's got something we call chest hair. Mm-hmm. And I like that a lot. I just thought it fit the movie well. I don't hate the song. If it came on, I wouldn't turn it down. Well, there was one summer of my life where I listened to that Limp Biscuit album all summer long. Yeah. And then I don't think I ever listened to it again. But of- at the time, it was the thing. Yeah. And a lot of people rag on Limp Biscuit because I... Listen, if you listen to Limp Bizkit for the lyrics, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> you think so? I, we listened to a chunk of that song earlier, and he said the word critics twice in about 10 seconds. Ooh, he's as angry as Eminem. <laughs> he does not like his critics. So the words aren't great, but the music is pretty strong, and I like his voice. You know who's done a really, really good job of resurrecting a bunch of music that nobody— I shouldn't say nobody really cared about the first time around, but there was a lot of music in the 70s that people just kind of dismissed as being, eh, whatever. Bleh. The Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. Yes. both of All of that music is from the 70s. And a lot of that music, like I said, was stuff that people just kind of went, mm, yuck. But now you hear it, and it's pretty damn good because you associate it with Chris Pratt in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, it was a charming movie, so now the song by association is charming. Yeah, Moody Blues, Mr. Blue Sky. Yeah, there's lots of good stuff in that. Wasn't, what's his name, uh, Rupert Holmes, uh, Pina Colada, that's in those movies, right? I think so. Pina Colada. Yeah, yeah, those were good. And the first two, like the record, there's some of the best-selling records right now are the soundtracks to... Guardians of the Galaxy. One that came up over and over again, too, and in my mind, well, I don't know, which one are we going with here when we talk about Will Ferrell? Okay, so the one... We have two options. We have two options. I like the Anchorman route. I like the Step Brothers route. They're both so solid. But, you know what, let's do um, Afternoon Delight. This is... This is an anchor man, and we were actually just watching the video before we started the podcast today. How did the crew not lose their minds while these guys were sitting around in a circle singing this? I don't know how they pulled this off. Well, it's really quite simple. It's kind of like... Gonna find my baby, gonna hold her tight, gonna grab some afternoon delight. My motto's always been, when it's right, it's right. Why wait until the middle of a cold, dark night? When everything's a little clearer in the light of day. Oh, man. And we know the night is always gonna be here anyway. Thinking of you's working up my appetite Looking Paul forward Rudd, to Steve an Carell. afternoon delight That is Rubbing Paul Rudd singing together, too yeah. And the thought of loving you is getting so exciting Sky oh, rockets in flight <laughs> Afternoon delight Whoop. You guys have it, I think huh. Afternoon delight I don't know, Ron That sounds kind of crazy Sounds like you have mental problems, man. Yeah, you got mental problems, man. Yeah, it really does. Man. 
Afternoon delight. Man, that's so good. Uh, so, I mean, that's a great use of uh, the original version of that, Bryce. Starland Vocal Band, Afternoon Delight. Mm. Weird song to sing with a family member at karaoke. Yeah. Was that Arrested Development where they sing? <laughs> but the, uh, I can't believe, like, when we were just talking about this in the hallways here, where we work, where we're employed, everybody has an opinion on the greatest song from a movie of all time. Right. Everybody. Um, I think one of the simple minds, of course, don't you forget about me. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great... John Hughes had some great songs in some of his movies. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh, yeah. Nobody would have cared about Donka Shane. No, all those movies he had in those late 80s, early 90s, Yeah, he had a pretty solid soundtrack. Someone else brought up the Almost Famous. Oh, don't make me cry again. Man, oh man, it is hard. In Almost Famous, where the band just had a fight, or he's just had an acid trip, spent all night at a party. They picked him up. It's tense on the bus, and then this song comes on. There's always some a-hole like me who has to sing along. Can't not. Oh, man. Lay Lay me down in sheets of linen. Lay me down in sheets of linen. Man, what a great movie that is. And that song in it, so good, where everyone just starts singing along and suddenly it's less tense. You could put any video footage behind that. And I would just and and put that music over top, and I would just start. We, you could put video of I don't know, like a sausage making factory, <laughs> and I would just sit there bawling like a baby. A chain game breaking rocks with hammers. Here I am crying again. <laughs> yeah. Here's where the chicken comes from for a certain fast food restaurant. I'm weeping openly because Tiny Dancer's on. Totally, but I think you're right about uh, Quentin Tarantino because we got. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people commenting on this, and so many came from Reservoir Dogs. Oh, yeah, and not just stuck in the middle with you. Uh, Little Green Bag from George Baker's selection. Right. Yeah, no, there's a lot from that movie. We heard the Gary Jules version of Mad World from Donnie Darko a lot. Originally a Tears for Fears song. Way better as done by Gary Jules. I agree. Remake better than the original. Rarely happens. But it happened that time. That was Top Ranking Podcast, starring Garner Andrews and Bryce Kelly. What are we up to, like four listeners now? Five. Oh, and a special thanks to USS for the temporary, yes, temporary, podcast theme song.